Are you aware of stereotyping others? Well, whether you do or not, others will stereotype you. So you can try to change those stereotypes by being a better person, but it's more important that you are aware of them without judging them so you know what you're working with or against when it comes to certain situations. Now, Chinese people may feel a certain way about foreigners because of the history they are taught and the state-controlled media they consume. But I've witnessed all too many instances of Westerners behaving poorly that would certainly justify any disdain for us that they may feel. So let's keep that in mind. I'm an American-born Chinese, or ABC. So I look Chinese, except for perhaps the way I dress. I'm what's also known as a banana, yellow on the outside and white on the inside. Generally speaking, I'm low-key, friendly, and very respectful of others. So it would be unusual for me to aggravate someone. And it's even less likely that I could infuriate anyone. But that's precisely what happened one afternoon at the Big Bamboo Bar and Restaurant in Shanghai's new Pudong district. Like many expats living in China, I like to hang out at these sports bar style restaurants where I met Vincent because these establishments are also where local Chinese can meet and hang out with foreigners. You can play table games like pool or darts, sing or even play guitar on stage with a house band, or host meetup events and open mic nights. So I enjoyed all of these activities and incorporated this aspect of Shanghai life into my business. One afternoon, I arrived early for lunch by myself at the Big Bamboo to practice some pool before too many patrons arrived. All of the Shanghai bars are connected through a pool league, and pool teams, sponsored by the local bars, play eight ball on league night every week. So anyone who has ever played pool in a Shanghai bar probably knows that all games of eight ball follow what's known as Shanghai rules. It's open table after the break, regardless whether you pocket a ball or not. All fouls are ball in hand, anywhere on the table. After the cue ball contacts an object ball, a ball must either be pocketed or touch a rail, or it's a foul, ball in hand for your opponent. Anyway, that's what everyone knows as Shanghai rules, governing the play of April. Big Bamboo has two pool tables, one eight-foot table and a seven-foot table. I was playing by myself on the eight-foot table as I usually do, and these two Brits, who typically play on the seven-foot table, decided to write their name on the board to play the winner on the eight-foot table. Note, I don't have any prejudices against British people, but I believe their background for this incident is meaningful since I'm an American, not British. So I welcomed them to join me, and I began playing the first guy named Keith. The rule is, the winner stays on to play the next person in line. I don't take these games too seriously, and I generally don't care if I win or lose, because for me, it's just social and fun. But Keith seemed to be much more serious, perhaps because he wanted to play his partner in the next game. I've noticed them before because they always sit at the same table near the 7-foot table 
and we've even exchanged greetings. They always play on the small table, so our paths had never crossed in a game of eight ball before. Now, according to Shanghai rules, you also have to do call what's known as ball in pocket. If a ball goes in a pocket other than the one you intended, it's not a foul, but you lose your turn. During Keith's first inning at the table, he hit a ball in the wrong pocket, and he said, "Oops, sorry about that," and continued to play. His meaning is he got lucky, but he didn't believe he should lose his turn. After he missed, I mentioned that we usually have to call our shots. He replied sarcastically, "What's the fun in that?" Well, I replied, "These are just Shanghai rules, and I also had to learn them when I first came to Shanghai." But I let his foul go and just began my turn at the table. Towards the end of the game, I left the eight ball, my winning ball, just in front of a pocket, blocking his last ball, which he has to pocket first before he's allowed to shoot the eight ball for a win. He could not pocket his ball except to try a bank shot, so I asked him, "Which pocket?" He ignored me and proceeded to tap his ball slowly. Until the cue ball rolled gently behind his ball, blocking my shot at the eight ball. In the official PBA rules for eight ball, and according to Shanghai rules, this is a foul. As I mentioned, after the cue ball strikes an object ball, a ball must either be pocketed or touch a rail. This rule prevents a never-ending game by two players slow rolling their cue ball against another ball without any intention of pocketing anything. So I said. You know that's a foul. Keith responded, "Your attitude sucks. Why don't you play by yourself?" And he threw his cue on the table and left in disgust. And so I responded, "I'm just telling you the Shanghai rules." Keith immediately became enraged and began yelling and threatening me. Keith is taller and heavier than me, so he tried to bully and intimidate me. He pushed his chest onto mine and said, "Do you want to step outside?" If you don't keep your mouth shut, I responded, "Are you threatening me?" Keith yelled, "Get your money! Let's play snooker or let's step outside." He even said, "You're not in America. Don't you know where you are?" I said again, "Are you threatening me?" Keith yelled, "You have a terrible attitude!" But every time I tried to say anything, he would immediately scream, "Don't talk to me!" And every one of his threats included something like "shit," "fuck," and "asshole." Keith was trying to bully and intimidate me, and caused me to react accordingly. But I chose to stay calm, even though I hated not putting Keith in his place. In my younger days, I would have pushed back and been ready to fight immediately. His reaction was ridiculous, and his arrogance was extremely annoying. If I had chosen to respond emotionally to satisfy my ego, The confrontation would have escalated, because I wanted so badly to say, "Do you know where you are? This is China, not England. You arrogant son of a bitch! And what does a fuck the snooker have to do with eight ball? There's no snooker tables here, no snooker cues or snooker balls. So why the hell would you assume we would play by your stupid snooker rules here in China? You came to my table to play me an eight ball when you wrote your name on the board." I also wanted to say, "Are we in high school? You want to step outside? Are we ten years old?" So I wanted to say all these things, but for whatever reason, I refrained. But 
I did have another option that I also refrained from using. Remember my personal driver, Xiao He, who knows every migrant from Anhui living in Shanghai? Well, our Guanxi had deepened to a level where I had been granted mafia-type resources or muscle from Anhui at any time and any place I needed. As we've discussed, many things in China happen under the table and by unofficial means, which means you can't always resolve your problem by going to the authorities. So how do Chinese people deal with problems that the authorities don't care to resolve? Well, let me give you this example. Suppose I'm a restaurant owner and someone decided to open a similar restaurant next door to steal my business. In that case, I could have literally arranged hundreds of patrons to occupy an empty seat at that restaurant, order water, and just sit there all day, preventing real customers from coming in. And I could do this over and over. In other words, labor in China is cheap, but unofficial migrant labor is not only cheap, but they are willing to do almost anything for the right price. If you have the Guanxi connections. From the Guanxi I had developed with Xiao He, I could almost hire an unlimited number of brothers from Anhui to fight for me for just 200 RMB per person. And I mean physically fight. If anyone ever tried to cause me trouble, it would have just been a simple phone call to Xiao He and 2,000 RMB to have 10 guys from Anhui ready and willing to fight for me. And I'm not making this up or making assumptions. This was literally an offer from a conversation I had with Xiao He during one of our rides, reinforced with details on how to make it happen and how things would unfold. Keith tried to intimidate me because I looked Chinese, smaller, and weaker. Every ounce of my body wanted to destroy this arrogant bully, if not for my words, but with physical punishment. But in the end, any escalation, especially it led to physical violence, would have been a lose-lose for everyone. Even if I'd won the fight, my reputation would have been damaged. Imagine that I'm trying to teach emotional intelligence and other soft skills, but I'm the ringleader of putting someone in the hospital. What would my students or clients think of me then? So I let Keith off the hook, and this situation ended without any further incident. But just knowing I had the connections to Wang Hei de Huo Wan Bai de was very empowering. Wang Hei de Huo Wan Bai de means you have both official and unofficial Guanxi connections at your disposal to be able to play and win the China game inside the Chinese arena. As in yin-yang, or yin-yang, as it's pronounced in Chinese, if you can play both white pieces and black pieces, you will always win in China, no matter the situation. Hey, this is Jing. This story isn't to suggest that you need to acquire any unofficial resources, but I wanted to paint a complete picture of how China works. In 2004, during my first business trip to Shanghai, I had the opportunity to sit in the personal office of David Chang, the then CEO of Philips China. 
and it gave me a piece of personal advice that I've carried with me ever since that I think is still applicable today as it was then. He said, Gene, to be successful in China, you need to learn to manage the different shades of gray because nothing in China is black 